And welcome back to another episode of Standing Room Only. We're excited to bring you the 11th episode so far. And uh, Matt, how are you doing this week? I gotta say, Jay, not as well as usual. And I think you know why. Yeah, I, I think uh, all of Leafs Nation is uh, pretty sad today. Uh, we're recording this the day after the Leafs lost uh, Game 7 to Montreal. Yeah, it was a tough loss. Um, it's got to be one of the biggest uh, jokes as a Leafs fan that we've seen in our lifetime. So we'll get into that later for sure. I think we owe an apology to a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans out there, though. Yeah, I mean, I, we've talked about him a couple times with my good friend Ricky from Guelph. Uh, big Montreal fan. Um I did have to text him last night after the game before he texted me because I didn't want him to be able to rub it in my face too quick. I actually just sent him a text um, actually congratulating Montreal and, and saying Price and their defense did a good job. So uh, I thought I would just, you know, kind of kill it before it even started uh, from the Montreal fan. As well, for me, Ricky, I apologize for all the Canadian slander this year. Uh, it wasn't well, de- it wasn't deserved and um, we apologize from the standing room only. Yeah, well, well, let's talk about that. Do you think it was... Not well-deserved? Like, do you think Montreal is a good team? Do you think they're a better team than Leafs? Well, I'll die on the sword. I think the Leafs still, in terms of talent, are just way more talented. I think Kyle Dubas put together a really solid roster that had all the tools to make a run. And it was kind of a series of unfortunate events in in terms of the Leafs. You know, you think about coming into the playoffs, their power play looked terrible. Obviously, that catastrophic entry to Tavares in Game 1. Foligno didn't look right, Muzzin was injured and out for the series, and then obviously I think all of Leafs Nation underestimated just how good Carey Price is. We know at the top of his game he's one of, if not the best goalies in the league, but he fully showcased that um, throughout the series, and as a fan, you knew whenever Montreal got up it was going to be tough sledding for the Leafs just because he is so good and he didn't really let any freebies by, um, whereas Jack Campbell, you know, he played well, but there's a couple that he probably would have had back. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, I don't think any of the blames with Campbell. I thought he played, you know, well enough in this series for them to win. Um, but just the guy across from him didn't make any mistakes. And, you know, he he actually saves a few goals that should have been in the back of the net. I think back to like game two or three, I think, where Spezza had that wide open. Or maybe it might have been game one, but he made that unbelievable save. And it was just like, it felt like a few times throughout that series... He, he robbed the Leafs of a goal and it just kind of threw the momentum right back into Montreal's uh, favor. But yeah, pretty disappointing for Leafs fans again. You know, I think this is four straight years where we're out in the first round. Um, Matt, what do you think, you know, what do you think's next for the Leafs? Do you think they change things this offseason or is it, you know, take another crack at it with a similar roster next year? Well, it's a tough question, right? Because I was going to ask you and to put your jam hat, I was going to ask you the same question, but In my opinion, I think they're in a tough spot right now just due to the contracts they have. Um, You think of COVID and what that did to the salary cap. There's very little teams that will be willing to take on, you know, the big four contracts the Leafs have of Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and Willie. So I think they have to, I hate this term, but I think they have to run it back. I'm not sure what else they can do. Felino would be a great guy to sign, I think, to keep alongside for the um, next year, but I don't know, Jay. What do you think? If you're Kyle Dubas, are you going to make some major moves and maybe try and shake up the roster? Or, or was this just a case of running into a hot goalie at the wrong time? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it, the case was. And I got to give credit again to Montreal's D. You know, Shea Weber and, and Ben Sherratt did a great job of shutting down that Matthews-Marner-Hyman line. 
um, as everyone kind of noticed. That line didn't look like themselves at all. And, and we'll talk about that maybe in a bit. But going back to your question on what I would do, it, it's tough, right? Because Dubas signed a lot of guys to like one-year deals this year to try and win it. And, you know, they brought in Felino, whose contract's expiring and all that. And you mentioned their big four, and they have about, I think, 35 between 35 and 40 million locked up in those four guys, right? So it really, you know, his hands are tied with what he can do. Um, after that series, I don't know if people are going to be begging him to ship Willie Nylander out anymore because that guy had a great series. Um, but I think people are now turning their attention to Marner and they're thinking, okay, well, if you're not going to play, you know, like a $10 million man, maybe we should get rid of you. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think Marner's a guy where, you know, to free up a lot of cap space and you could probably get a really good piece in return from him? Do you think that would be a smart move at all to try and move him? I guess it depends on what you'd get in return. Dubas has always been kind of the GM that will punt draft picks for players. He's not really one to always look towards the future, but trying to go into win-now mode. So in terms of dealing Marner, it comes back to what I said before. It's it's the cap situation. So which team would eat his $10 million a year contract, you know, it basically rules out any contenders that have already built out, built out their roster. So it would have to be, I think, like a lower level team that would take Marner on as maybe like a, a young tool for them to move forward with and rebuild with. But I don't know if it's the right call to trade him. It's just so frustrating, right? Because you watch Marner and Matthews play. We'll just, I guess, get into it now. And they're dominant all year. It's kind of the Edmonton effect too in their first round. And they were kind of just disappeared and ghosted the rest of the team for the series. It was frustrating to watch. You could tell they were frustrated. Um, the bounces may not have been coming their way. Price obviously stood on his head for a couple of saves on both of them. But do you think that this is kind of a one-off thing, Jay? Or maybe are these two guys maybe not who Dubas thought they were and they're not really playoff guys? In my opinion, Matthews actually, I didn't think played that bad. Um you know, he was still getting chances. I think he hit like four or five posts or crossbars throughout the series. Like those could easily have been goals. Um, yeah, he wasn't getting, you know, all the looks he was getting in the season. But then again, it's playoffs. You're playing against Shea Weber, who's got to be one of the best defensive defensemen in the whole NHL and has been for like 15 plus years. So like to me, I wasn't that disappointed in Matthews, really. Um, Marner was the one, though, who he it just didn't look like he was, you know, wanting it that bad or like putting that much effort in and that's just sad to me because like it's a huge obviously a huge series against Montreal your biggest rivals you've had this is the fourth year in a row where well you've had three years where you've been kicked out first round and you know like you would think they would be super hungry to go out and beat Montreal but it just didn't look like it to me it looked like they were very lackadaisical um Hyman was you know getting into the corners hitting people stealing the puck putting it on net all this stuff but, you know, Marner just looked like he was shying away and, it, and he just didn't really look like himself at all. So I don't know if it's, you know, he, he can't rise to the playoff hockey or, or what it is or if it's just that other teams kind of bring their game up and the Leafs, you know, stay the same. Um, one thing that I do think happened was that, like, the Leafs just kind of, you know, went into cruise control at the end of the season. And they've done that the last few years, actually. And I think that really translates to a slow start in the playoffs and, you know, getting knocked out first round. Um, I think it's just that they're not ready to compete at that level and and Montreal worked super hard, you know, and, and their young guys, they they kept battling the whole time and, and you just didn't see that from the Leafs. So it was, it was sad. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's weird watching the Leafs transition from the season to playoffs because you watch some of these other series. We'll get into it later. But, you know, the Avs versus the Blues, uh, Tampa versus Florida, like the level of physicality and intensity, you, you could see it clearly ramped up. 
And I just didn't feel that with the Leafs at all. It, it just seemed like they thought they were still in the regular season and there didn't look to be any sense of urgency, especially from, you know, the two superstars, which is a bit concerning. Um, I remember in game, game seven, they actually panned to the bench a couple times. And every time they did that, it was just straight faces. No one was talking. No one looked into the game. It, w- it was a bit concerning as a Leafs fan. It, it almost looked like they were already defeated, like come game seven, you know, so... I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting offseason. I think, you know, Shanahan and Dubas have had a lot of pressure since coming into the organization, but this will probably be the defining offseason for them, to be honest. Well, yeah, I, some people I've been reading and stuff that they, they want, you know, Dubas gone. I don't think he should be. I think he, again, like you said, he built the best team I think he could have built this year. He gave them all the tools they needed. For me, I, I would look towards Sheldon Keefe. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of him coming into the Leafs, to be honest with you. And, you know, when you're saying, like, the bench just didn't seem like they were going and it's like they're in the regular season, it's like part of that's got to come from the coach. He's got to get them fired up. He's got to get them ready to play. And it it just didn't seem like that for me. It was also weird. Uh, We touched on it earlier, but the power play was kind of in shambles. And obviously in the playoffs, it's so important that you can convert on those power plays. Um and just the weird flip-flopping they had with, you know, Sandine was in once and then he'd be a healthy scratch and Riley was in. They couldn't really ever get set on like a starting lineup with the power play, but also their four lines. And um, I'm all for a coach experimenting mid-series, but I don't know. Keefe didn't really seem to ever hit on any chemistry with, um, you know, the first line. Willie was up there. He was back down. Uh, Riley Nash was in and out. It, it just seemed weird. It seemed like they're a little confused on as to you know, who they wanted to play with who and, and who was clicking. Yeah, well said. So I guess we should probably move on from the Leafs, uh, even though we could probably talk about them for hours and hours and, you know, making changes and all that. But let's just do a quick um, recap of, you know, round one. Um, maybe we'll go through who we said would win and, and how our predictions did and stuff like that. And then we'll we'll quickly do a round two kind of preview and predictions. So uh, let's just start with um, the first series I have here, and that's Colorado-St. Louis. So Colorado swept St. Louis. Were you surprised by this? I think we both had Colorado winning. Um, were you surprised at all by the sweep, or did you think St. Louis would put up more of a fight? Yeah, I was actually surprised at how good Colorado looks. Um, as someone who didn't watch a ton of them during the season, they look so dominant. I think I picked Colorado to win in five, so I wasn't off far from the series. I didn't think St. Louis had too big of a chance, but man, Colorado looks good. They kind of dominated each and every game, and um, that's carried into round two, too. Yeah, they're they're looking like a true contender. Um, sad to see Kadri get that eight-game suspension, and uh, he tried to appeal it, but I saw that the league upheld it. So what, what were your thoughts on that? Do you think he deserved eight games? or It's weird. I don't know. I've had mixed opinions on a few of the calls the player uh, safety department has made lately. You know, the Kadri hit, it was dirty. The guy, I think, Justin Falk, I believe he hit, was clearly out cold on the ice, and I think anything to the head deserves more of an extreme call in terms of a suspension. And then you add in Kadri as kind of a repeat offender. Um, I think this is his fourth suspension in the league now. So eight games seemed to like a lot. Yeah, I think it's I think it's his third uh, suspension in the last four playoffs too. Like during playoffs, he's got suspended. So Yeah, so it's interesting. Like eight games can be too serious for Colorado, to be honest, which is a lot come playoff time. But um I think the NHL is sending a message, um, especially after the whole Tom Wilson thing that, uh, you know, especially with repeat offenders, they're going to really start dinging them. And I think that was made clear through the appeal that was obviously 
um, turned down as well. All right, let's move over to the next series there, and that's Vegas, Minnesota. And this one went to Game 7, which, you know, again, probably surprised a lot of people. They, they didn't think Minnesota would put up a big fight against the heavyweight Vegas. Um, did you think it would go 7, and, and were you happy that Vegas won? I think we both had Vegas winning again on this one. Yeah, I think we both had Vegas. None of us had them going to 7, which was really surprising. Minnesota put up a great fight, and I think of all the series, this was probably the best two-way goaltending performance. Flurry and Cam Talbot both stood on their heads which made for some really exciting games. But um, yeah, it was interesting, especially with some of the elimination games. You could see Vegas was getting really frustrated. They would outshoot Minnesota sometimes almost as much as two to one and still get beat. Um, But you could tell they're the better team. And they're kind of one of those series where you cheer that you hope it's close. But at the end of the day, you kind of hope the better team moves on just for, uh, you know, watching the later rounds. Yeah. And, you know, it's nice to see a Minnesota, you know, a young Minnesota team putting up a pretty good fight against Vegas. Like, they're going to be a team probably, they're going to be a good team for a few years, I would think. Oh, yeah. If they could somehow get their hands on an elite center, I think that's like the one missing piece they have right now. They would be a definite contender next year in the West. Yeah, and they did draft Marco Rossi last year, for uh, I think like 10th overall. He's supposed to be a pretty good centerman, but we'll see. I think he had like 120 points in the OHL one year, so. Wow. Yeah, so I guess we'll stay in the West Division here, um, and we'll just talk about the Colorado versus Vegas series, and we can kind of give our round two prediction, and we'll do that through each division. So what do you think going into the Colorado-Vegas series? What's the storyline that you're looking at? Yeah, I think the storyline is how can Vegas bounce back. Um, It's an interesting kind of dynamic there where Colorado had a quick uh, sweep of the series of round one, and Vegas obviously had to go seven. It was a longer series than they maybe expected, so... It was interesting, you know, we're recording this after game one and obviously Colorado took it to them in game one. I think it was something like 6-1, you know, it was an ugly game overall. So the storyline for me is, um, you know, does Vegas have it in the tank to really challenge probably the best team in the league um, this early on in the playoffs? So I have Colorado in six. I think Vegas will defend home ice um, and make it 2-2 but I think Colorado will uh, their talent will prevail games five and six and win the series 4-2 what about you Jay yeah I also have Colorado winning Uh, I chose game seven I just think these two heavyweight teams you know it's going to be a physical battle Um, you have to fight for every inch I don't think there's going to be much given up And, and you mentioned game one was a little bit different story um, I think that was a lot of fatigue from Vegas's end, and, and you know Colorado was super fresh. I think as the series goes on, though, and Vegas kind of gets into it and gets into the swing of things against Colorado, um, I think they'll put up a better fight. And I, I, I'm hoping it goes Game Seven because that's going to be a great series. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So let's move over to uh, we'll go to the North Division. We talked about the Leafs, Montreal, so we don't really have to go through that. We both said the Leafs. Um, I had the Leafs winning the Cup, obviously. So. That hurts my racket, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll skip that series and we'll head to the Edmonton-Winnipeg series. So I think, again, everybody was surprised by this. Um, I said Winnipeg. I think you said Edmonton, um, but I don't think either of us thought four games straight for either team. So um, yeah, what were your thoughts on this series? This was a wild series, and I don't think anyone could have predicted this just due to the fact that you know Winnipeg ended the year on an absolute slide. Um they had lost all momentum. It seems like, you know, the players weren't really clicking. A lot was going wrong. And you look at the season series against Edmonton, and I think Edmonton almost swept them, if not only gave up one game all year to the Jets. So for me, this was an easy pick. So seeing them lose four straight to Winnipeg was shocking. I think it's a bit of the same thing as the Leafs problem is, um, 
you know, if you stack up one line and they get shut down, what else do you have? If you have no depth, you're really going to struggle in the playoffs. And, um, you know, I think McDavid and Dreisaitl had a decent series overall. Obviously not the same production as the regular season, but Winnipeg's depth and I think physicality through their defensemen really prevailed. So that'll be an interesting series against the Habs for sure. Yeah, let's just move right into that in, in uh, Winnipeg versus Montreal. Um, to me, you know, Winnipeg's a very similar team to Toronto. Um, just how they're built. I feel like they're, you know, their forwards have a lot of talent and then their back ends, you know, a little bit, not weaker, but not as strong as the forwards. So do you think you'll see kind of a similar approach with Montreal to, to Winnipeg that they had with Toronto where it's, okay, let's play Shea Weber and, and Sherratt against, you know, the top line of Shifley, whoever's on a Connors and Ehlers maybe, um, and just try and shut them down. Is that what you think Montreal will do? Yeah, no, I think Montreal's game plan won't change. Like a 2-1 win is like their ideal game. Like let's keep it physical, let's keep it chippy. And, you know, um, we're going to, you know, as a Montreal fan, you're going to just hope that they can get a couple and give Price a little early lead. And I'm sure he will run with that, um, judging by how he's been playing lately. But it'll be interesting. You know, the Jets have arguably one of the best top six forward groups in the entire NHL. And they seem to really be coming on at the right time. Like you think about who they got, it's Shifley and Wheeler have been there before. Nikolai Ehlers, Kyle Connor, they're, they're pretty stacked. And um, I think the key for the Canadians in this series will be similar to the Leafs. Don't take stupid penalties, um, play defensive and um, try and get out to early leads because those are, those will be tough for Winnipeg to come back from. So in this series, I have it going seven. I think Winnipeg will win game seven at home. It's going to be a good series. It's going to be close. And I think Carey Price will single-handedly win himself a game or two as well to keep this uh, and extend it to seven. But what do you have, Jay? Yeah, so I have uh, Winnipeg in six. Um, I'm excited. The big storyline for me for this one is, you know, Price versus Hellebuck. That's a great goaltending battle. Um, I hope Price continues to play well just to, you know, keep it entertaining. Because if he starts not playing well, I think Montreal will get smoked. Um, it'll be interesting too, to see how, you know, Winnipeg comes out in the series. We talked about Colorado having that long rest, you know, Winnipeg has that too. And Montreal's obviously coming off a, a you know, a really late series uh, against the Leafs. So I wonder if Winnipeg, you know, just has a lot more in the tank and they could maybe jump out to an early lead. I could see Montreal then, you know, climbing or clawing back, um, just like they did with the Leafs. So, but I, I do think Winnipeg in six, I think they're, um, a little more, depth than the Leafs up front and maybe just like scoring wise like it's not so heavy on one line where they score you know even guys like Andrew Kopp I, I think of I think he's like on their third line and he's had a great year he's scored a bunch they got Dubois as well who's really good in playoffs and um, yeah I just think Winnipeg's got a really good team and I actually I think now from now on out they might be the team that I'm cheering for to win the whole thing so yeah I'll be hopping on that bandwagon too got to stick with the North Division and any team but Montreal at this point to come out of there so Go Jets, go. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's head over to uh, the East Division, and that's um, Pittsburgh versus the Islanders. Um, I said the Islanders winning. I don't remember how many games. I think I might have said seven, but it ended up Islanders winning in in six games, Um, and I believe you said Islanders as well, right? I did, yes. Yeah, so what did you think about this series? Um, You know, I I saw a lot of kind of remarks about um, Crosby, Latang, Malkin still thinking, you know, they, they have a great core guys and they, they really want to run it back, like you said before, with the Leafs and want to keep trying to go for that next cup. Do you think that's a smart play for the Penguins or do you think it's time to start unloading some of this for futures? Well, in terms of running it back, they need to reevaluate their goaltending situation. I remember we were talking about this earlier in the year 
I think um, my hot take was the Penguins wouldn't make the playoffs. I looked like an idiot because they're the one seed in the division. But um, I never believed in Tristan Jari. I didn't think he was that good of a goaltender. And he kind of burned them a few times throughout the regular season. And you saw it in the uh, playoffs as well, that series. Like, Pittsburgh didn't have that much trouble scoring and producing. You know, Crosby and Malkin were playing well. Latang had a great series as well. Um, They have some great depth pieces um, for forwards, but... The Islanders, it was just frustrating. They kind of scored at all the right times for Pittsburgh. And you could see that uh, they didn't really have a second option like a couple of these other teams did in the playoffs for goaltending. And so they kind of rode rode out Tristan Jari and fortunately it burned them. But in terms of like your question, Jay, I think their core is definitely uh, still intact. I think there's no need to make any drastic moves, especially with Crosby, Malkin, or Otang. So I think if they can address the goaltending issues, whether they stick with Jari and, you know, you hope he improves or they kind of figure something out in free agency, um, they'll definitely be a contender again next year. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to the Islanders. They, they play a really boring game we've talked about before, but they, they know how to win in the playoffs. And, you know, they have a great coach there um, and they just played it right. They actually reminded me a lot of how Montreal played against Toronto, you know, very defensive, you know, don't make too many mistakes. Um you know, keep the shots to the outside and stuff like that. And, and it proves that both those teams came out and beat the first seed team. So, you know, maybe they're onto something there. But, um, yeah, it'll be exciting to see, you know, how Pittsburgh deals with this. And, and you know, it's very similar to the Leafs, too. They're in a position of where, you know, what do we do now? Do we switch things up? Do we kind of just run it back? Um, or do we just try and add more fuel to the fire, if you will? So, yeah, heading over to the other series in that division, uh, Washington versus Boston. Um Boston ended up winning in five games, which I said Boston would win, um, but I, I didn't think it would be that quick. I thought Washington would give up more of a fight. What did you think? Yeah, well, I had the Caps in my finals, a little teaser on my bracket there. So, yikes. <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't a good look for me, but it was interesting. I don't think like the 4 1 series was indicative of what actually happened. Every game was super close. Um, yeah, wasn't it like four of five went to overtime? Yeah, most of the games went to overtime, and, you know, Boston just kind of, whether they got the bounce or, um, you know, found a way to put the puck in the net. So it was definitely a frustrating series. Like, you could see it for Ovechkin in particular. Like, they were right there. Um, I thought the series would definitely go the length. I think I had Washington in seven. Um, so it was a bit depressing seeing Boston win. Um, as a Leafs fan, it's tough to cheer for Boston anymore moving forward. But uh, well-deserved. That perfection line is playing better than they ever have with Bergeron, mm-hmm. Pasternak, and uh, Marchand. So, yeah, no, it'll be really interesting to see if they can put together a win as well. Yeah, and so then moving kind of towards Boston and the Islanders, do you think... Um, the Islanders can shut down that top line? No. So right now I have Boston in six. We're recording this. The series is tied 1-1. So we're a little late to the party in terms of a prediction. But uh, hey, at least it's tied, so we're not too biased here. Um, I think Boston looked like the better team in both games. Islanders had a a couple, couple lucky goals in game two and, you know, got the overtime winner, obviously. So I think Boston will... uh, head to the Coliseum and either take one, if not two games, and then come back and um, close it out in six. So Yeah, I actually, uh, I'm going to go with the Islanders again in seven. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. That's kind of a, a risky one, I think. I, I do think Boston's the better team, but, you know, I always underestimate the Islanders, and I think a lot of people do, and they always somehow, you know, pull out the series win. I don't know if it's just that they grind on defense or if their system just works better than other people's, but 
they, they continue to surprise me. So, you know, what? I'm going to go for them and uh, they won't surprise me this time. Well, maybe they'll surprise me, but the other way. Well, who knows? Yeah, Islanders are kind of known as the one and done team. They like to put together a nice first round win and then usually get destroyed in the second round if history is anything. But uh, who knows this year? Yeah, well, now that I've chosen them, they're definitely going to lose. So <laughs> moving over to the last um, division here, we'll start with the Carolina Nashville series. Um, I'll go first here. And, you know, I, I said Carolina would win. I think I said in four or five. I, I didn't think Nashville would put up much of a fight here. Um, but I was actually pleasantly surprised by the way Nashville played. What about you? Well, first off, this was an awesome series to watch in terms of both arenas were packed with fans. I think they were both rocking 100% capacity at each game. So that was fun to watch. And each game was close. I was honestly shocked as well as UJ that Nashville put up such a fight. I didn't know if they had the horsepower to stick with Carolina. Um, but yeah, they looked great. And um, they're a weird team. They've kind of been in limbo for the last honestly, four or five years now of kind of being like somewhat of a contender, somewhat of, you know, uh, maybe a fringe playoff team. So I don't know what they'd have to do to kind of get over the hump there. But uh, overall, they looked good. And um, I think Carolina will be a force to be reckoned with moving forward too. You know, I'm, I'm really impressed with the the young guys on Carolina, the young forwards, like Aho in specific. Man, that guy is good. Like he, he can carry a game if he wants to. Um yeah, I had him in one of my fantasies this year during the regular season. He didn't really have that good of a year. So uh, it was nice to see him kind of playing a bit better in the playoffs. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. I think Carolina is going to be a team for, for years that we uh, you know, are, are making it far in the playoffs. All right, let's go to the last series, uh, the first round, the, the Battle of Florida. So that was uh, Tampa Bay Lightning versus Florida Panthers. Um, Tampa won in six games. I think I said Florida in seven and you said Tampa. I don't remember how many games. Um, so you were right on this one. But what did you think about this series? I know you probably watched it pretty closely. Um, were you happy with the way Tampa played to win? Uh, and how nice was it to get Kucherov and Stammer back? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, they're a completely different team, obviously, with Kuch and Stamkos back. Like, that's got to be one of, if not the most lethal power plays in the playoffs. Like, um, And it was really interesting, too, because it was such a physical series that you know, for most of the games, one of the two teams were on a power play. So it was an awesome series. It was entertaining. I think Florida put up quite a bit of fight. And, um, you know, Tampa did look like the better team talent-wise, depth-wise. And um, I think the better team won the series. But, um, you know, Florida's got a promising, bright future too. And shout out to former standing room only guest Mason Marchment, who really made a name for himself. Uh, you know, he was producing on the fourth line. He was bumped up to the first line, had a couple huge hits, huge goals. So shout out to him. And, um, you know, coming into a contract year, that could be an awesome little performance for him moving forward. So yeah, that was great to see Mason do well. Um, it was fun watching, like playing with Barkov. Like that's crazy to think that, you know, he, he went from being on the fourth line and into a guy who's probably fighting for a spot every day to um, a guy who's you know, he's contributing in the playoffs and playing with one of the better players in the NHL. So great for him. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, Carolina versus Tampa in uh, the second round? Yeah, this one was really tough for me because I think both these teams are two of the best remaining in the playoffs. So it's unfortunate they're kind of squaring off in round two here. But I have Tampa in six. And the argument I make is strictly comes down to goaltending. I just think Vasilevsky is you know, one of those top two or three guys in the league in terms of an elite goaltender, and he's been playing great this playoffs. So it's tough to beat Tampa and 
a best of seven series, let alone, you know, when we're recording this, they're already, Carolina's already down one nothing. So I have Tampa in six. I think every game's going to be really close, really competitive. But um, at the end, I think Tampa's elite talent um, will push them through to win in six. Who do you have, Jay? Yeah, I actually have Tampa in six as well. Um, a lot of the points you said there were right on, and, and I agree with them. I, I also think, you know, Tampa just, they've been here. They've done it. They won it last year. And I think they kind of have that swagger right now as, you know, we know what we're doing. We're, I was really impressed with their first series. I thought, right, I said Florida was going to beat them. And I just thought that was going to be maybe a little bit of that, um, not the hangover from winning the cup last year, but just like, you know, we often see the, the Stanley Cup winners get knocked out first round the next year. So I thought that would happen. Um, but no, they impressed me a lot. Like they came out ready to play. Um, they seem focused. They seem, you know, hyped every game. Um, and I, yeah, I think they're going to, I think Carolina will, will stay around with them. I just, I don't see them having the same team that Tampa has, especially, you know, with a guy like Hedman for Tampa, like he's going to be playing 30, 32 minutes, 35 minutes a night probably. And playing against that kind of guy, I think guys like Aho and some of those smaller, younger forwards on Carolina are going to have a tough time. Yeah. It's weird too, because, um, Tampa is kind of weirdly fresh in the sense that they've had some major injuries from some of their star players. So it's not like they're, you know, the entire core kind of had to run it back right away and, um, you know, finish the season. And whenever they did last year, winning the cup and then kind of starting on this expedited regular season this year, but, um, they look fresh, they don't look tired. And, you know, one of the things is it always seems tough for teams to, you know, kind of go back to back, like, Every opponent kind of marks the Stanley Cup champions in their calendar. But, um, you know, they made it through the regular season. Obviously, they're the three seed in their division. So probably not the finish they wanted. But now that they got their core back, it's like this is the old Tampa team from last year that just looks so dominant. And it's really tough to bet against them. Yeah, like I I wouldn't be surprised if we see a back-to-back from Tampa this year. Like they look, again, like maybe the best team in the whole NHL. So it should be exciting to kind of follow these series. Um as they continue to progress um we're gonna try and release this one pretty quick i think so hopefully it's not too out of date for what we've talked about so far um but yeah i think that's really a good spot we wanted to keep this one you know fairly short compared to the other ones um and just kind of give a recap and a review and then a prediction so um it was a lot of fun um i'm glad we got to kind of do it and, and throw this together quickly after round one um but yeah any closing remarks from you no you know what uh Definitely excited for round two. I think we opened the podcast a little uh, little sour and a little bitter about, uh, you know, the Leafs' performance this year. But there's going to be some great matchups over the next few days. And it's going to be interesting to see how everything fizzles out this year. So Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, there's always next year for the Leafs. So We'll always say that there's always next year. <laughs> uh, well, Matt, uh, have a good rest of the week. And I'm sure we'll talk and enjoy, you know, this good playoff hockey. And... Uh, yeah, we'll we'll chat next episode. We'll probably do a recap of round two and predictions of round three. So I uh, look forward to it.